And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome back, everybody, and a happy new year, and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, the first one in 2023. It's Ian Meddy, Sean McAdoo with you, as always, on a Thursday, and uh, this is one of those full disclosure pods where we need to let people know that as we're recording, it's Wednesday night, and I'm sure that you've probably got your TV on, Sean, Canada, USA, uh, mm-hmm. You got a screen going where you pay attention to the game, right? Absolutely, and yeah. I will be spending ninety uh, percent of my attention on that. So if if uh, if you hear me reacting either positively or negatively in a way that does not feel like it aligns with the topic, uh, you can probably go back and like figure out the exact time points based on what was happening in the hockey game. Yeah, exactly. And so, but hey, you're giving us ten percent of your attention. That's that's pretty good. I didn't say where the other 10% of the attention was going. <laughs> that's right. You just said 90, said no 90% such thing. of it. Yeah, that's true. I'm just inferring that. Uh, you know what we should have done? And I'm only saying this because as we're recording, Canada is up 4-2 on Team USA. How did we not come up with a friendly bet with the Tuesday show? The Tuesday oh, boys they, with five no Zs. Way. No, they would have... They would have ducked us or they would have been throwing so many odds and uh, it, all of this. I mean, this is this is the shtick right now, right? It's it's that the, you know, uh, Americans only pay attention to the World Juniors if they beat Canada. And otherwise, they will claim that they never cared about it. Whereas Canadians right. care all along right up until Canada's out and then we stop caring and and pay no attention to the rest. It's almost it's it's, you know, we're we're sort of flipped on that. So uh, no, they would have they would have been ducking us like 
uh, I mean, there's they wanted no part of that. None. I thought I thought you were going to come up with some sort of boxing analogy or something. You know what? I was. That's what I was trying to do. And I was like, I can't think of a single boxer. Uh, I was going to go Mike Tyson and I'm like, that's like, like, I, I feel like if I have to go back to the late eighties, that's, uh, <laughs> that's right. I don't know. Who am I kidding? Make that's a, a new policy for me. I'm, that's right. Wait till you hear our Leon Spinks material. It's, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They would so have been anyway. ducking us like Stu Grimson and we were early nineties, Wendell Clark. How does that, does that work? There we go. See, bring it back to the, the early nineties. See, that's a little bit more, uh, more recent Slightly than the late eighties. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. So yeah, anyway, we're, we're keeping an eye on Canada, uh, USA. And, you know, it, I, I got to tell you, though, that was really fun watching the afternoon game where Sweden and Czechia, I, man, um, I didn't see that coming where, you know, the Swedes got uh, a one nothing lead and they're hanging on the final minute. You're thinking, all right, they'll hold on here. They've held on for 59 minutes or whatever. And, you know, uh, Czechia ties it and they win it in overtime. What a, what a great scene, though. And I think it's great for this tournament when you get those types of countries getting to the gold medal game, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it does help to to spread it along. I mean, this, this is an issue in international hockey, and and we beat up the women's game over it. And, you know, a different situation where, you know, in the women's game, it's it's really the two countries head and shoulders above the rest. But the the men's game it has has a little bit of that, and you see it in this tournament, certainly, where the, the powerhouse teams are, are just... Um, rolling over some of the uh, some of the smaller countries with, with less well developed programs, um, it's nice. Yeah, it's 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 you never want it to feel predictable. You never want it to feel like you're just uh, you know it's always going to be the same teams or the same outcome. So uh, it's uh, it is nice to mix it up a little bit. Okay, it's nice, but let's be honest. You're speaking as a couple of guys north of the border here. If the Americans win this game, they come back, they beat Canada. Are we are we tuning in for USA Chechia? What World Juniors? I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. That's, I don't. Was that this year? Okay, uh, sure. Whatever. Man, you know I what? Only though, watch, the, I only watch the Olympics. Unless we lose the Olympics, then I only watch the World Cup. And if we lose the World Cup, I only watch the World Juniors. It's yeah, it's brilliant it's how a, it all works the, out. The cycle. The, it's just the perfect cycle. You know, I I got to tell you, though, like, I mean, the, the Conor Bedard coverage uh, at the Athletic, Shana Goldman's had some stuff, Pierre Lebrun this week. Uh, it's been unbelievable just to watch this young man do what he's doing on this stage. It's uh, you know it's it's pretty well known that what he's doing is you know pretty unprecedented for a, a draft eligible kid. This isn't a 19 year old coming in and and dominating the world juniors. This is a kid who hasn't even turned uh, you know 18 and just just dominating. And it, it you know it's got me wondering. I, I see LeBron's piece this week, and I and I see that the chatter out there that if you're outside of the playoff spot by a healthy margin, and we're we're talking to you, Columbus in Anaheim and Arizona and Chicago and probably Montreal now too. Um, are your, is your fan base just going all in yep. on the tank now? Like after you watching this world junior, yep. are you just all in on the tank? I, I mean, honestly, he has been so good in the world juniors that even the teams in the next year, the, uh, you know, the, the Vancouver's and Phillies and, and, and those teams where you're looking at it going, ah, you probably aren't going to be able to get down to number one. I mean, Chicago's running away with this thing. Chicago came into the year with a plan. Uh, you're not catching Chicago. You're probably not catching Anaheim. But even if you, it, it's it's at the point now where, all right, if we go from eighth to seventh and we bump up our lottery odds by 3%, that feels worth it to root for at this point. And I've, I've said it all along. The, the NH, This season has the potential to get silly down the stretch. And it it has the potential to get really 
ridiculous because you're going to have a bunch of teams with absolutely no incentive whatsoever um, to try to, to try to win it. And what you're going to sneak into the playoffs and play the Bruins in round one, absolutely get your doors kicked in. Or do you want a 3% chance at Connor Bedard? I, I know which one I'd probably prefer. It's, it's of all the non-playoff teams, it's, it's going to be all of them going for lottery odds, except for one. And every Montreal Canadiens fan knows which one team that is. Cause it's the Florida Panthers sitting there without their first yeah. round pick. And boy, if, I I if if Ben Sherrod thinks we were tough on him at the deadline last year, oh my goodness, can you imagine if he goes through life being the guy who was traded for the the Connor Bedard pick? I mean, that would be ugh. That because that's nobody, not lottery protected. No Florida right? fan even. It's not lottery protected. It's not top and three. Nobody whatever. Would, nobody would have ever even imagined that it would have been right. I mean, there's there's just absolutely you, you know you looked at a Florida Panthers team that was on its way to the president's trophy last year. And I mean, look, a lot of us didn't like that trade. Um, you know, a lot of us felt like the, the bench rod hype was out of control and, uh, and that it was a, a situation where they gave up way too much to get a guy who wasn't going to help them as much as they thought. But um, there's absolutely no way anybody was looking at that saying, Oh, well, that's they're They're not going to, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they've traded away Connor Bedard. Like there just is, is no chance that that felt plausible, but here we are. And the crazy thing is the 2022 pick was, uh, it was first round was top 10 protected. There was some sort of, um, like something in play there where, because of, you know, some other trade, if they had finished in the, in the bottom 10 in 2022, then the, the pick rolls over to 2000. It's, it's this complicated formula, but it did, it doesn't work out to their to their favor. And Montreal fans, oh my god! I mean, to have two horses in this race has got to feel great if you're if you're Habs. Well, you know, it reminds me of when San Jose gave a first rounder to Ottawa and didn't lottery protect it because you thought, look, the Sharks, man, they were a perennial playoff team, right? They were. Um, you know, they mm-hmm. were a team that uh, we just always expect, right? In 2019, they went to the conference final. Um, we just always assumed that they would be a, um, a, a playoff yep. team. And maybe maybe if they missed, they'd miss by a hair. Well, they bottomed out in that 2020 season. The Ottawa got the third pick overall from that. And it ended up being Timmy Stutzla. And we're having a completely different conversation about Ottawa and its rebuild. If, you know, San Jose makes the playoffs that year and that pick isn't number three, let's say it's number 20, right? Different conversation. Mm-hmm. It's a, different, it, and, and, and it can the alter same, everything. The same with the Matt Duchesne pick that that Ottawa yep. gave to Colorado. The same same sort of deal. And uh, you know, jeez, uh, I'm I'm a Leafs fan. I've seen them do it three separate times in my lifetime, where they've they've traded away first round pick in the future and had it come back to bite them as a as a top five pick. Um, and, and all of them turned into really good players, but that should be part of the risk. I'll tell you right now, when I'm commissioner, this isn't a day one uh, thing for me as commissioner. I would really look at banning lottery protected picks. I would just tell these guys, look, man, you're going to trade the pick, just trade it. None of this top 10 protected, because because this is this is fun as a fan for everyone other than Panthers fans, obviously. Yeah, but, you know, I was going to say, yeah. It's not fun for Panthers, but I mean, it's it, this stuff does eventually, you like to think, balance out or, you know, it, and, and yes, it would certainly 
potentially result in some teams being less uh, willing to move first round picks. And I, I get that, but this, you know, this cover your back uh, nonsense, I, I would almost get rid of it because I'm, I'm getting tired of like looking down the list of picks and you just, you see all these traded picks and then they're all protected. You know what? I mean, this is, you look at the NFL, right? This is the year of top 10 picks that have been traded in advance. There's, I think, yep. three in the top six or something have, have already been traded. Um, they belong to other teams. Uh, you know what? That's that's fun for everyone but those those teams. And you know what? Those teams should have been smarter about it then. Okay. You're the uh, guy that loves to go down the rabbit hole of weird history. And um, we always joke about, hey, we need some down goes Brown interns. Uh, and maybe we'd have to put them on this, or maybe you know the answer yourself. Who is the first team to lottery protect a, a draft pick? Do you remember this? Do you know this? Boy, uh, no, I don't. I, I don't I, either. I, I mean, it's it's been a while. And and I remember, like, the flashpoint for me, I, I remember when the um, when the Leafs made the, uh, the Phil Kessel trade and they gave away their two first-round picks, um, one of which became Tyler Sagan, the other one becomes Dougie Hamilton. They didn't protect either of them, obviously. And at the time... That was not seen as unusual, but people did ask Brian Burke about why didn't, did you talk about lottery protecting the picks? Was that part of the discussion? So it was part of the landscape at that point, um, but it wasn't uh, something that was so common that people were going, oh my goodness, how could the Leafs not not do it? Was, it was still more common not to protect, and yet it was out there. Um, it, you know what they we used to do, and I would love to have seen this come back. I was going to write about this in the summer. I never got around to it. Before there was lottery protection, do you remember when you used to see trades in the NHL and as part of the trade, there would be uh, what was called the option to swap. They would basically say that we trade uh, this player for this prospect and this fourth round pick and an option to swap first round picks, which was basically their way of saying if if your pick is better than ours, then we flip. And if if not, then nothing happens. And it was a fascinating... um, it was a fascinating wrinkle in trades because you were basically betting, you know, if I said, hey, I, I want the option to swap picks with you, I was basically saying I'm willing to bet that that I'm going to finish ahead of you in the standings next year, which is going to make your pick better than mine, which is mean I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want to swap with you. And if you accepted the trade, yes. you were essentially yep. saying the same thing in reverse. We were putting our, you know, a little bit putting reputation on the line there. Um, and, and there were some fairly big trades that that ended up incorporating that um, and, uh you saw that kind of go by the wayside, and part of it is, uh, you know, top ten protection serves in some way the same purpose. But it, but it was fascinating. I mean, you could you could literally trade a player to a team and say, in exchange, I want an option to swap first round picks with you. If your team is better than mine, I don't get anything out of this. I've literally given my player away for nothing. But if I'm right and you're and I'm better than you next year, I get that higher pick. That might really work out for me. And I, I remember thinking this summer, like. Would it make sense for a team like Chicago to, you know, for example, uh, trade their trade instead of trading Alex to bring it for picks, trade him to a team like Ottawa and say, we want the option to swap first round picks with you. You're basically getting another another lottery ball to say, you know, if, if things don't go well for Ottawa or if they happen to win the lottery and they jump up, we want to be able to flip with them. And if not, we get potentially maybe nothing at all in return. I think that could have been a real interesting wrinkle, but... These days, the GMs are so 
they're 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 so worried about their own reputation. They're so worried about not making a mistake. I I I don't see it ever coming back. But as far as I know, and I did at one point check with the league on this. Nothing has changed in the rules that would prevent teams from doing this. Man, yeah, I, I I'd love to know the backstory of who 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 is the general manager. Like, because obviously there's a backstory to it, right? Like somebody mm-hmm. got, and again, you can go through, uh, like you said, the Tom Curvers, Niedermeyer, and you know all of these, the all of these mm-hmm. things over the I, years. Uh, and you think, does okay, it not well, feel like it, the protected? concept came from the NBA? I feel like I remember hearing about it in the NBA before the NHL, and I wonder if 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 that was if it was less of a case of. Some GM being creative, and, and just yeah. a case of some GM putting it out there, and 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 I would love to see more GMs say no on that. Like, no, you're you're not, especially if you're getting a pick a year or two down the line. Say, no, I'm I'm not giving you lottery protection. Part of what I am trading for is the maybe it's a one in a hundred chance. It's the risk, yeah, absolutely. But I'm I'm you know part of the value that I see in your pick is the small but non-zero chance that it could be worth a lot more than we're both projecting it is. And if you want to protect it and take that value away, I'm going to need you to throw in a second round pick. I'm going to need you to throw in something else for me. I, I'm sure GMs have this conversation on some level, but I'd, I'd really love to see, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to see some teams say, you know, it's it's our, it's going to be team policy going forward. We will not accept any lottery protected picks. You're going to trade with us, you're trading us the pick and we both live with it. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see that, but again, this is just purely me as a fan talking. If I'm a GM, I'm I'm absolutely have a whole whole different view of it because I'm sitting there going, "Geez, is this is this guy trying to get us fired?" Yeah, maybe I am. <laughs> yeah, and you know, look, Bedard, what he's done in in Halifax has just been it's been you know mind blowing, jaw dropping, you know, whatever you want to say, uh, and it makes you think that when you you know you think of hockey and the lineage of you know from Gretzky to Lemieux to Lindros, to Crosby, to McDavid, that that this kid's the next one. Like, legitimately, that feels like the succession mm-hmm. plan here. Um, yep. When's the last time we had somebody of that ilk that fell short of expectations? Like, have we ever had the, the person that we tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, you're the next one? And they, like, went full, you know, whatever, Jamarcus yep. Russell or whoever you want to pick as your NFL yeah. Like Neil well, Yakupov was never viewed that way. Right. That's uh, what I'm Rick saying. Rick DiPietro, Patrick Stavis. These guys were not viewed as that. I mean, I, I'm not sure it's ever happened, although the the list of guys that would fall into that category has been pretty small. Um, I, I mean, you could argue that Eric Lindros, on the whole, in his career, did not live up to the expectations uh, that they had. And obviously, injuries were an enormous part of that. Maybe the Maybe the entire story there but uh, you know even though it, it, it's 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 ridiculous but to he's say, a hall right? of because famer like, he went to the hall of fame right and yet i i'm i really feel like given all the hype about him at the time i mean this guy if you were a fan back in 91 when when this guy shows up on the scene i mean we are looking at him saying this is mario lemieux except if he had bob probert's fists and he hit like scott stevens I mean, that's the level of of expectations that we had for Eric Lindros. And he comes in, and he's a great player. He's a Hall of Famer. He wins an MVP, takes his team to the Stanley Cup final. And yet, it does feel like um, like it, it his career ended up falling short. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that there's been anyone else. Now, part of it is there is a little bit of hindsight bias here and survivorship bias where we, we look at, you know, there have been guys who come in with a lot of hype. 
uh, and have had very good careers. And because they don't reach that level, we sort of forget about the level of hype. And I'll give you one guy as an example. And this guy wasn't a Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard level prospect. Um, but I would say similar to a Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews, uh, and that was John Tavares. Remember, yep. he came in 2009. He had been he had uh, he he had been in the OHL early. Was cons- he was he was one of those guys that we had been hearing about, uh, like Connor Bedard for for three years. You had heard that John Tavares was going to be the number one overall pick in 2009. Remember, Brian Burke wanted to trade up for him. There was this this talk, and there was some you know some discussion of by the time the draft rolled around, maybe it'd be Victor Hedman, maybe whatever. Um, but the Islanders went and took John Tavares and. Again, John Tavares might end up in the Hall of Fame. This guy's been an all-star. This guy's put up fantastic numbers. And yet, given the level of hype, I want you know, even putting aside how it ended with the with the Islanders, and, and I'm sure you know you wouldn't be able to get an honest answer now. I wonder if if Islander fans would look back at John Tavares and say, didn't live up to the hype. Um and, and I'll tell you right now, like and this is as crazy as it sounds, John Tavares has had a great career. Um, you know, Eric Lindros had a great career. I, I'm going down the list of, of, you know, some of these other guys. If Connor Bedard comes into the NHL and he has a John Tavares career, that's going to feel like an enormous disappointment. That's going to feel like not a bust. You won't, you won't, you won't be able to call somebody a bust when they're making all-star teams, but it's going to feel like, wow, what happened to this guy? This guy, this guy was can't miss. And he yeah. kind of did miss. That just gives you a, a sense of how, how off the charts the the hype is for this guy. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's amazing. And again, I think we're going to see more teams. You know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for, you talked about the second half of the year has the potential to be weird and wacky. I'm waiting for the one game in the back half of the year. You know when teams, like you, you do the rookie lap for your first game and they like send the mm-hmm. one guy out? There's going to be a yep. game where some team has like seven guys. Making their NHL <laughs> debut. I thought you were gonna say there's gonna be the there was gonna be a game where like one guy went out to do the rookie lap and the rest of the team was just gone. Like just yeah. you hear the bus leaving in the parking <laughs> lot, and you're going, Oh, is it just yeah. me? Um uh, and, and look, when I say things are gonna get silly, I know look, we all we all know players don't tank. You put twenty guys out there wearing NHL uniforms, they're gonna give you full effort. There, there's there's never a situation where Jonathan Taves is going to be out there going, oh, I'm going to go at half speed because I really want the Blackhawks to get the number one pick. That's it, it. It's not how hockey players are wired. It's not how they play the sport. And it wouldn't make sense for them because in a lot of cases that, you know, Connor Bedard might be taking your job in the lineup. So, you, you know, you're not going to go half speed for him. And um, But that having been said, the roster moves that we're going to see, I mean, we've already got Chicago pulling away. This is one of those things where, you know, a lot of times when a team's on the playoff bubble, sometimes we say, you know, if, if they need to make a trade or a coaching change, we go, yeah, you know, if they, yeah, you might want to wait a week or two and see how it goes, but that week or two might be what costs you the playoff spot. You know, that if you got to move when it's time to move, that, that might happen with the lottery. We might look back and go, yeah, you know what? Yep. Philadelphia started moving guys, but they just waited too long. Or, you know, St. Louis, boy, it, you know, it, O'Reilly and Tarasenko both being hurt. Now you can't trade them for a month. Uh, you know, you, you may not have traded them anyways, and obviously they're not in the lineup, but if that keeps you from going into full scare, scale teardown, I don't know. There's there's going to be some teams we look back on. And, and then the part of this that's so fascinating for me is we might see all of this tanking. We might see all of this craziness. You're, you're going to see 
any you're going to see guys getting shut down with injuries. You know, Patrick Kane's already. Oh, we're gonna be, we're being cautious with Patrick Kane. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure you are, and you're going to be real cautious with him. I bet um, all season long. We're going to see all of this stuff. The race to the bottom could get completely out of control, and then we could get to lottery day, and it could end up being that 25th overall was the magic spot. And I know I, I you, we can get into philosophical debates about you know if this is. Would that have still been if this had happened? And, and yeah. But I mean, the, that's the ping pong balls come down. That's the number that comes up. You look at the chart, you go 25th is the spot. And that could be, you know, it's it's Philadelphia sitting there with the with the golden uh, because they won on the last night of the season. Some they beat Montreal on the last night of the season. Their fans are freaking out. But that ends up being the win that puts you in the right spot. I, I do this sometimes where I'll, I'll look back at that. I'll say if this game had turned out differently, this team would have been in this spot. Um, maybe no more famous example than we just mentioned him as a bus, Patrick Stefan. What's the only thing we all remember about Patrick yeah. Stefan is missing the open net. Well, guess what? His team ended up winning that game anyways, but the Oilers going into overtime gave them one extra point. And if they didn't have that point, they would have swapped spots with the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2007 draft lottery. The Blackhawks win the lottery. They get Patrick Kane. Who's to say, you know what, uh, maybe, you know, maybe that butterfly flapping its wings changes, changes something in how the lottery works, but that would have, that would have had the Edmonton Oilers in the Patrick Kane spot instead of the Blackhawks. And then, I mean, geez, the next 15 years of NHL history changes completely based on Patrick Stefan whiffing on an open net, or it doesn't, depending on how much of a killjoy you want to be. But uh, I did, I, I really hope we wind up with something like that and we can look back and say, you know what, this one game, this weird call, this strange moment actually determined where Connor Bedard ended up going. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, I'll tell you, the the team that I want to talk about here for a second is we talk about teams that might uh, get into the Bedard sweepstakes, the Vancouver Canucks. And, it, you know, it's just gone off the rails out on the uh, the West Coast. They lose again. Uh, Tuesday night uh, to the Islanders. And you know what? Maybe we should do, Sean, every week we just do a live reading of a Thomas Drance column. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe that's that. that. Okay. I'm just going to read We should have excerpt. him come in. Have him come in and do the audio recording. Like, let's, uh, yeah. let's, let's get him going. But yeah, no, this is- uh, the regular I, segment. I love my, my absolute favorite genre of sports writing is local beat writer Carves team. And Drance is very, very good at that. So let's uh, Dr- hook, well, hook, hook me up. Let me hear it. Yeah, yeah. And look, there's been no lack of uh, material on his part, right? And and so I'm just going to read a small excerpt. Again, this is uh, Thomas Drance from Wednesday talking about the fact that it's time for Vancouver to maybe uh, strip this thing down 
uh, right down to the studs. He writes uh, uh, the following. The time has come to tear down this roster. It's a truism in the Vancouver market that this Canucks side is, quote, too good to tank, too bad to contend. As one lower third graphic during Sportsnet Pacific's Tuesday Night Broadcast put it, like most truisms, however, it's a statement that betrays a lack of imagination. This team might be good, uh, be too good to tank today, but it could get there tomorrow with some work. It wouldn't be easy, nothing worthwhile ever is, but the moment is fortuitous. The schedule aligns nicely with the cause, and the Canucks have dug themselves a significant enough hole that they can wallow in it if they're willing to get creative. So his point is, look, they're four points clear of Arizona here. They got Bo Horvat, why not deal him, get a mix of futures, whatever, and Maybe that's just enough, just getting rid of a guy like Horvat who's off to, um, you know, the best start of his career and is going to get a significant payday. That's enough, says Drance, to get them in with Arizona, Montreal, whatever, and be a bottom five team. He's saying, blow this. You're not going anywhere. You got Mm -hmm. a shot at Bedard. Go in on Bedard. Yep. And, and you know what? It's a good. It's it's a good point. He's been consistent on it, and I know Vancouver is tough. It's it's one of those. You know, there are some teams that are tanking. There are some teams that you know that the roster is just bad. There are teams that you look at like a Philadelphia, and you go, "Why aren't you tanking? You you should be." Vancouver is tough because they've got Elias Patterson, because they've got Quinn Hughes, because they've got Thatcher Demko. It feels like they already have some of the pieces, but if you do a full on tear it down rebuild and you're talking like three years down the line is that young core still your young core or does it become something else and i i understand why they're a little bit like the donkey that can't decide which hay bale to go to but uh i do i do like what he's saying and not just because i'm a huge fan of using the word wallow in in any sort of uh sports column i <laughs> I, I i like the idea because when you look at like bo horvat being a, a great example Fantastic player, having a career year. UFA at the end of the year, let's assume for the sake of argument that they're not going to re-sign him. So we all know, of course, if you're not going to re-sign a player in the NHL, we always say you got you to gotta move him. You got to get something. The playbook here is well-established. If you're a team like the Canucks and you got a bull horror about that you're going to move, the playbook's well-established, which is you wait as long as you can to get closer and closer to the deadline for a few reasons. The closer you get to the deadline... Teams have more cap space accrued in most cases. If, if they have a little bit of room, remember that that the cap hit of your player is prorated, so it starts going down. The cap space that they have starts right. uh, compounding. It goes up. So maybe some guys, some teams that can't afford them today, two months from now, they can make that deal. Uh, you get teams that are maybe hopefully more teams emerge that are on the bubble, that are maybe going to be a little desperate. Maybe you look at some teams that are comfortable right now and you hope something happens that that turns up the temperature on them. And then just the fact that it is a trade deadline. Deadlines are what move negotiations. You know, the, some team is going to tell you right now, oh, no, no, we would never move this prospect. But you get them right up against a deadline and maybe they do it. So all of the, the, the playbook here is you wait, wait for two months, and then you'll get more at the deadline. But you're looking at this going, okay, but how many games does Bo Horvath exactly. win us in those two months? How many no, extra you, points do we get? You don't even want him to win two four? extra games. Yeah. You don't if even he want him to win two, two games. extra games. Four yeah. points? That four points could be the difference between going in with the eighth best lottery odds and the fourth best. 
Um, and, uh, you know, this is exactly what I was talking about. The team that's going to look back and say, we didn't move fast enough. And it's ironic that it could be Vancouver because they were the team last year that made yeah. the coaching change that turned their season around. And at the end of the year, they fell just short of the playoffs. And you're looking at it going, man, if they brought in Bruce Broudreau two weeks earlier, they would have made it, but they didn't move quick enough. And now it's, it's the exact opposite side of that same coin. Uh, how quickly do you move and what's it worth? If, if trading Bo Horvat right now means that you get less than you would in two months, but it makes your team four points worse. I don't know. How, how do you weigh that? And then when you, if they move Bo Horvat, suddenly does that mean a team like, you know, Columbus or Anaheim goes, oh boy, we better move somebody. And is Chicago really willing to wait that long on Taves and Kane? Obviously they don't have control of that situation because of the no move clauses. It's going to be fascinating. And it's going to be fascinating to watch it play out. It's going to be fascinating to watch these GMs detonate their teams. And it's going to be fascinating to watch Gary Bettman sit there and tell us that we're not seeing exactly what we all know we're seeing because he tells us tanking doesn't exist. It's it's going to be, it's going to be wild down. And and I, I'm always team chaos. You know, people always, people view me as like a team chaos guy. And I don't, this might end up being too much chaos. I I hope it's the fun kind of chaos and not the embarrassing the league type. Well, Vancouver, you know, look, Vancouver is as passionate a market as there can be. And just go look at the comments on Drance's article, right? I think he's got like 200 comments on there. Last time I looked, I think it was like 200 comments and we're close to it. And it's just, it's, man, there, there's a lot of frustration in that market. And you're right. Like you, you say, look, I, you don't want it to go off the rails or be too, too crazy. I think it might be. I, I think, but now, but now let's also play this out a little further. Can you imagine if that's where Connor Bedard ends up? Yeah. Oh, if like, you're Connor Bedard, are you, you're telling me you're not sitting there going, come checking it. You, you, you don't have a Google News Bo Horvat yeah. trade alert. Uh, yeah. Because you, because I mean, that's, I, I'm sure he doesn't have a team that he wants to go to that he would talk about, but. Yeah, that he would talk team, about. right? Yeah. That's his that team. That he would talk that's, about. Exactly. He's never going to say it, but oh my goodness, you, it, it's got to be maybe on one level. I would think frustrating for him because you're you're sitting there uh, going, "This is my hometown team." Yeah, it could be right in the running, but they're, you know, you you understand if you're, hey, my my hometown team's a cup contender. Obviously, they're not going to get my, uh, you know, they're not going to be there for me at the top of the draft. This team isn't. I don't know, man. It would, uh, it would, uh, it would really be something. But uh, boy, I don't know. How's this French? Oh, I know. Bedard's a French-sounding name. I think that that'll be enough for Habs fans, right? They'll uh, they'll take well, that. Yeah, you know. Again, that, you know, Bedard grow, grows up in North Van. Like I, you know, the only reason why I wouldn't want him to go there, I just feel like the pressure of going home, like it would just be too much. I think. Like I, I think it would just be yeah. an unglued. You want to talk about things being unglued? Con, like the neck. This would be like. Uh, I'm trying to think, like, when's the last time, I, can't, I mean, this would be like Mario Lemieux ends up in Montreal. Like, how mm-hmm. would Mario Lemieux's career have played out if he's with the Habs? Do you think he, Do you think Mario Lemieux is a, yeah, I mean, I mean maybe, I guess if they have Patrick Waugh, maybe, I mean, maybe he's yeah. a well, I mean, that, the that, cup. That's the thing, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say, you know, if, if Eric Lindros had ended up in Toronto, you go on down the line, um, and, I mean, often have we seen that in the modern era, where 
a hometown guy from the very start of his career, like before he gets his feet under him, before he sort of gets the lay of the land. I, I mean, off the top of my head, I, I'm sure LeBron it has James. Happened, yeah, yeah. In, I mean, really, in, right? In other sports, in, in yeah. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, I mean, Akron isn't Cleveland, but it's close enough, right? Like, that's, like, you're talking about generational guy who ends up in his hometown. Like, that's the one that comes to mind for, for me. But, yep. yeah, it would be like Gretzky in Toronto or Mario, I guess, in in, in Montreal. I, I mean, right? look, the, the counterpoint of this would be, you'd say, you'd look at Montreal and say, a lot of French-Canadian stars in Montreal over the years. Um, now, you know, not guys that came in with Meryl Lemieux levels of hype, but, you know, Guy Lafleur, and obviously we're going back 50 years at this point, but Guy Lafleur came in with an awful lot of hype behind him and, and, and some of the other guys even before the draft. And, and the argument would be, yeah, you go to your hometown, the, the pressure is going to be big. The, the, everything's going to be magnified, especially if it's a hockey mad market, which, you know, Vancouver would fall into that category, but those Montreal guys would show you if you succeed, it's a different level yep. than it could get to. I mean, I I'm sorry, I say this as a Leaf fan. We love we love our guys. Uh, we you know we've got our our list of heroes, but the Rocket Richard, the Jean Beliveau, the Guy Lafleur, the the guys, the you know the French Canadian stars who did it in Montreal. It's just a different level. And, it, you know, everybody, every player is going to be different. There's going to be some players who will say, you know what, I don't want any part of this. Let me go to Arizona. Let me go to Anaheim. Let me be somewhat anonymous. Let me just, you know, be able to do my thing and play hockey. That's all I want to do. But there's going to be others who are going to say, you know what, I, I want to I aim for the very top level. And that top level might very well be, I want to go home. I want to be the hometown guy who turns the franchise around. I want to be LeBron. Um, even LeBron didn't want to be LeBron in Cleveland at at, uh, at one point, you know, at some point. Yeah. But um, you know, that's the level I want to get to, and uh, you know, you you become that guy. I mean, you, you know, we we remember LeBron leaving Cleveland, but we also remember when he went back. Remember that Nike ad of him talking about, you know, this is Cleveland, this is like yep. the Loserville, and I'm back because I'm going to change that. Like you can imagine Connor Bedard being that for Vancouver, um, or or any number of other teams, uh, man, you wonder, some guys are just wired differently and they want that. They, they want to climb the highest possible mountain. You know, we're, uh, we're closing in on kind of the final 25, 30 in our NHL 99 series. We're really getting down to the, 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 the best of all time. And I want to ask you about this because this week, uh, back to back, we had, uh, Chris Chelios, Brian Leach, back to back, uh, two great defensemen of, of kind of the nineties, um, and I'm wondering, here's my question for you, just because they ran back to back, which kind of means to me that they're very comparable in terms of their career arc and all that stuff. If I gave you a choice to have a guy at his absolute peak, are you taking Chris Chelios or are you taking Brian Leach? Oh boy. Peak. peak, Absol- peak. I mean, if it's the absolute peak one year, you know, a couple years, I might take Leach because I think that around that cup, winning team he may have reached a level that that Chelios never got to Chelios did it for so long and, and the thing with Chris Chelios is because he played well into his 40s and I'm not even talking about the comeback with the Thrashers uh, I'm just he talking like 47 you know, even, even with yeah but but I mean he played well into his 40s even before that because of that a, a lot of people when you say Chris Chelios did it for a long time that's what they think or they think even, you know, remember there were a few years he was being scratched in the playoffs in Detroit. I mean, 
But you, you take it just up to when he was 40. I, I mean, 20 years of him being a dominant defenseman in, in a level that I don't think Brian Leach can match. But peak of their powers, best season, I might take Leach over Chelios. Yeah, man. Leach, I mean, Leach won a con Smythe too, right? And uh, um, boy, it's, it's, I, 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 reading both of those articles was great because it, it, it reminds you. Chelios was more about, yeah, coming back at that, at that stage of his career in his late 40s and just a remarkable uh, freak of nature. But, you know, Leach in his prime, uh, you know, I, Josh Cooper's piece on, on Leach was just phenomenal. Looking at like yeah, one of the great defensemen of the '90s there, and and I'm really excited now to see how this list plays out, the final because there's going to be some. Uh, I don't think anything will get as contentious as the comment section in the Sergei Fedorov. Uh, <laughs> Sergei, Sergei Fedorov, Fedorov, and then everyone who followed Sergei Fedorov because yeah. well, thank this is what I, it should be. Yeah, or yeah. yeah, but I mean everybody after they're jeez, oh, they're hey, look, man, I love Sergei Fedorov, but. Ooh. Some of the comments are getting pretty silly uh, on some yeah. of this stuff. I, I'm, hey, I'm I, all I for thought Gentile like, did a great job. I, 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 oh, I yeah. didn't like. I don't like, and I'm not just saying that to defend. Like, oh, you're, of course you're going to defend your colleague. I would, I would tell. I would say if I thought, ah, you know what? I thought he went too much on. I would say that for sure. I would, but no, I don't think he did. I think no, it was I, a pretty good. I thought it was a good encapsulation of the, the guy. The, the thing, the thing that gets me for a lot of these is, I, like, you put a list like this out. For two reasons. One, because we, you know, it's it's interesting subject matter. We're paying tribute to these guys. We're we're covering this history of the game, uh, and it's it's just great content to sink your teeth into as a writer, and and hopefully as a reader, you feel the same way. That's number one. But number two is for the discussions, for the arguments, for everything that's going to churn out. So I've got no issue when, you know, if somebody says, "Oh, I can't believe you guys have are going to have Joe Thornton ahead of Sergey Fedorov," uh, you know, I would. I think Fedorov was better. I take him. Okay, no problem. That's absolutely, you know what, and and make your case. But it's it's when you see guys who are like, yeah, there's not one hockey person alive who would take Joe Thornton over Sergei Fedorov. And you're like, really, dude? Did you ask everybody? You've done a full survey? Because, uh, I don't know, it, it, just argue your case without fooling yourself into thinking that there's no argument to be had. Uh, and uh um, but it, it is fun to, to watch it. Like I, you know, I've, I've written a few of these. I got a few more on the way. Uh, I, I like wading into the comments and seeing, you know, I don't take offense if, you know, I wrote the Jerome McGinley one. I had a bunch of comments from people saying he's rated too high. I had a bunch of comments from other people saying too low. No issue with that. Hey, we all took a vote. This isn't, uh, you know, I'm not responsible for where Jerome McGinley wound up on the list. Uh, so I don't mind, you know, you're not the reason Daniel Alfredson was, you know, not high enough in the eyes of senators fans. I got no issue with people making the case. Just man, I, boy, I wish I had the confidence in anything that, uh, certain internet commenters have about everything. Yeah. You know what? So I have one more coming up of these and, and I'll, I'll, I'll look, it's no secret. People will know that this guy's, he hasn't appeared on the list. You know, he's going to be there and it's Denny Potvin. Mm -hmm. So I won't say obviously where he ends up on the list. Uh, to be honest, I don't even know. But anyway, I got to tell you, you know who I tracked down for the story? You're going to love this. Okay. Ulf Nielsen. Oh, wow. Nice. I tracked Very him good. Yeah. And that's going to kind of be. And you just gave him 2,000 words to just cut a promo on Denny. What a piece of garbage Denny yeah. Boffin was. No, it was. And you know what? 
it, it's anyway. It, that it would was, have been I fantastic. Thought, just literally, just as told by, and it just ripped the. It just Islander fans just stunned faces reading and, this and, thing. And the great thing would be then both Sean Fitzgerald and Sean Gentilly would be like, "Thank God the heat's off us." Yep, we're off. We're good. But anyway, it was it was a great conversation. And uh, anyway, I'm looking forward. To, I gotta I gotta kind of finish that up uh, in the next day or so. But uh, I hope people like it. I just you know again, you're, you're trying to take different angles on things. Um, and you know, try to, you're trying not to just write the, I want people to understand, like, we're not just trying to write the Wikipedia page of these guys either. Right. Like we're trying to give a little context for why they were a great power forward or a great defenseman or a great, whatever, like something, why, why did they stand out? And that's, you know, and I don't know about you, but I I feel like it's getting harder as we go, uh, because you know, we're the, the the guy that I'm writing. I I won't say who it is, but it's they're they're number ten on the list that I'm finishing off this week. Uh, there's ninety of these profiles that have been done. I, I mean, at some point you're sort of like, okay, what what new angle do I find on this? It's uh, it's getting tougher and tougher, but uh, it's it's been fun. I've I've really enjoyed doing it. I think the project's gone really well. Uh, if if you haven't been following it, go get caught up. But yeah, you're not you're not going to agree with every single piece that we come up with. And, you know, the other piece of it is if it's somebody that it's your favorite player and somebody decides to take a unique angle like like Gentilly did, I thought that was really great. Um, You know, you're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting going, oh, it's I'm going to read the article about how amazing they were. And it's just going to be nothing but, you know, tire pumping. Um, Hey, you know, with. We gotta, we gotta cut. We gotta come up with different angles to look at this. Yeah. No. Exactly. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing the last, you know, 25, 26 uh, names on the countdown list, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun when we get down to uh, the very end, and then, then we kind of un- unveil the whole list, and then we have some debates, and that's going to be, uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I do, I do think people are going to be mad when they get to the top ten that Wendell Clark is is not as high as they think he should be. I, I you know, I won't give <laughs> yeah. away where it's it's yeah. single digits, yeah. obviously. Wendell hasn't obviously. gone yet. Yeah. But uh I think people are gonna be a little bit surprised that uh, you know, I, I can just see people being like, really Mario ahead of Wendell? Hey, look, i I feel the same way, but I was only one boat. I can only yeah. that's all I can tell you. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. 
To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. All right, you can uh, send us your thoughts on uh, uh, NHL 99 or anything by dropping us an email. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Richard from uh, Liverpool writes in. Love the podcast, guys. As a fan from England, it's funny, interesting, and informative way for me to keep up with the NHL. Um, hey, we're not trying to be funny here, Richard. I, I, I don't know what he, where he's getting that from. But yeah, hey, this, this is completely fun. straight. I don't, yeah, know what. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Hey, got a question for you guys. Uh, as an Avalanche fan, I know I'm a little bit biased here, but why doesn't Miko Rantanen get a little bit more love for the MVP award? As of the end of December, in 34 games, he's got 24 goals, 21 assists. He's two and a half times ahead of goals from the next closest player on his team. Not to mention that he kept them going through all of the injuries. Would love to hear your thoughts on Miko Rantanen, Hart Trophy. That's from Richard in Liverpool. That must be hard to watch the Avalanche if you're in Liverpool. Like with the time difference, right? What's that? Seven hours, that probably. Might be. There's there's yeah. some uh, there's some streamers out there going. It's probably hard to watch the Avalanche in Colorado too. But uh, there's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what? It's a fair point. I as far as why haven't there been more buzz? I think part of the issue because I've heard this from Jason Robertson fans too, or even Patrice Bergeron and guys like that. It, it's because Connor McDavid's run away with this thing. If, if Connor McDavid has 150 points, he's winning the Hart Trophy. Um, unless Edmonton misses the playoffs and probably even then. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe just the, the, the heart trophy debate just doesn't feel as, um, <clears throat> the discourse doesn't feel as, as full throated as it normally would be just because, uh, it feels like it's already settled, but yeah, no, it, he, he absolutely would. And, and I'll tell you, especially if one of my pet peeves is it, voters who say that, you know, if you're not in the playoffs, you can't be the MVP. And yet they'll vote for a guy who gets his team into the eighth spot. Taylor Hall. And then they go, and then they go get like Taylor Hall. And then the the Devils won one playoff game that year. So really, like, I can't vote for someone who didn't make the playoffs, but somebody who won one playoff game can be the MVP of the entire league. I've argued that we should vote on MVP at the end of the, at the end of the playoffs. Uh, And I know a lot of people don't love that idea, but you know, if we're really going for value to the team and all of this, but I'll say this, if, the Colorado Avalanche, with all the injuries they've had, if they get into the playoffs as a number eight, but they're healthy by that point, and we look back and go, <laughs> boy, they almost they, missed, but Miko Rantanen yeah. went supernova and got them into the playoffs. That is a team. They're not getting into the playoffs to get knocked out, to get swept or, or win one game. That would be a real dangerous team. I, I would absolutely be willing to think about putting Miko Rantanen on my ballot. I I, can't, I don't know that I'm going to put him ahead of a 150-point player um, who, you know, also might score 60 goals in the prize. I mean, I, I just think it's it's going to be it's going to be awfully hard to to knock Connor McDavid out of contention. But yeah, he, in the conversation, absolutely. Jay writes into the show. With the Seattle Kraken getting an outdoor game, there are now three teams who have yet to play one. Arizona, Columbus, and Florida. How do each of those teams end up getting an outdoor game and assuming they're all stadium series, who and where would they play? And who do you think is the last team to get an outdoor game? Happy New Year. That is from Jay. So, Panthers, Jackets, Coyotes. I mean, I would think the easiest one logistically would be Columbus, right? You've got Ohio State yep. there. The, the climate's a little easier to manage. 
mm-hmm. for uh, an outdoor game versus they, Arizona. They had an all star game, yeah. you know, was seven or eight years ago. It was great. Uh, you yeah. know, they they did a fantastic job. Oh yeah, um, it's a great great spot. Arizona, people say it's really dry, hard to make the ice. Florida, mm-hmm. it's too humid. It's hard to make the ice. So I I can see that. But but you were at the outdoor the stadium series in L.A. and so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to both the California it. ones and they were yeah. both, they both worked out great. And again, I'm, I'm no, you know, the, it's not just temperature and, and all that sort of thing. I mean, there, there was talk this week that we could see one in Florida and, and it, you know, it might be Tampa, but it would be a Tampa, Florida game, presumably. Um, and that they, they may feel like they could find a way to make it work. I, I do think Arizona is the toughest one also just because of where the team's at right now. As far as rebuild wise, I mean, all three of those teams are struggling, but you know, the, there's Arizona's doing the total tear it down, and I don't know if that's a team you want to showcase anytime soon. And and also just you know, we we can talk about why the fan base hasn't evolved the way the league was hoping, but I, I, it hasn't. And so a lot of times with something like this, it's you know, can we pack a big stadium, or is is this a team where fans are going to travel and and all of that stuff? And and I just don't think Arizona's there yet, so they're, they're probably the last team to get it. If you do it. I mean, Vegas would sort of be the natural one. And the fact that Vegas has been paired up with Seattle for next year suggests that it may be a few years, maybe, maybe two or three years down the line when, when it's time to go back to Vegas, maybe Arizona feels like they're ready there. Certainly if they've got Connor Bedard or someone like that, then, um, then that moves the needle. But uh, right now, if I had to pick of those three teams, I think Arizona's the last one. But wouldn't you be, if let's say you're an Arizona fan, a Blue Jackets fan or a Panthers fan, what makes you more upset that? Vegas is a new team and Seattle's a new team and they're getting an outdoor game or that you flipped on your TV on the weekend and saw Pittsburgh and Boston playing for what felt like the umpteenth time yeah. in an outdoor yeah. game. I which mean, that, which, that, one, would, which one would irk you more? Ah, uh, man, I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I think the we newbies, all understand think. the business of it. Uh, yeah. yeah the, with As far as Boston, Pittsburgh, even though they, the fact that they were back in a venue we've already used was, you know, maybe a little... A little dicey, but uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think maybe you're bad at the, at Seattle, but you know, I think you do also have to understand, with the exception of Columbus, you know, the the climate does matter, and, and obviously Seattle isn't a traditional outdoor hockey climate, but uh, you know, at least you're a little bit further north. Um, you know, I I do get it uh, why you would be a bit frustrated, but at the same time, I mean, look, if you're Arizona, Florida, you. You want to see the league embrace the modern. You want to see the league say, you know what? It doesn't have to be some original six team with everyone dressing up like they're in the 1920s. We can we can embrace the new as well. And then, and then hopefully that creates time for you to be the new at some point. Let's wrap up the Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show like we always do with a little trip down memory lane, a little segment we like to call this week in hockey history. By the way, no uh, Granger things brought to you by BetMGM because Jesse Granger is live blogging. As Like I said, we're doing this Wednesday night. Um, about midway through the third period, roughly. Yep. Canada's still, still 4-2. Four four Canada. Boy, I can't wait to uh, get on Twitter as the guy who has held himself out there as the goalie interference guy. Uh, oh, no. I'm, yeah. I haven't checked the highlights for this game, but I'm sure this is going to be a fun night for me. Oh, oh my God. gosh. And you add the international line to this and it's just yeah yeah Yeah. um i I just want to pick one thing from this week in hockey history and it comes from january of 1992 and i I want you to take the listeners back because 
This is one of the biggest trades in the history of the NHL. Biggest in terms of like just volume of players, a 10-player trade. The biggest. Uh, yeah, the biggest trade. There you go. Um, but, I mean, it had ramifications that it felt like it completely altered the trajectory of the mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs franchise. And I need to know. So you would have been whatever, like 15, you're a teenager, right? 15, whatever, yep. 16 mm-hmm. years old. And, like, this is at the height of your, like, kind of your just Leaf fandom. It's 1992. Yep. Did you realize what happened here? Like, or like, how big the trade re- was. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, did you realize how I, good this I, is? Like, I mean, did I you did... know what you were getting in Doug Gilmore? We knew he was a good player. Uh, the, the concern at the time was th- there were a lot of people who felt the Leafs had gone out and gotten too old. Um, you know, the Leafs were a bad team. And when you're a bad team, you're supposed to get younger. And instead, they had, uh, you know, they had already made the trade for Grant Fear and Glenn Anderson, who were two older guys, giving up Vincent Danfus. And then in this trade, Gilmore comes over, he's like 28 or 29. So so that was the concern. We did not know he was as good as he was going to be. And in fact, nobody did. I I, I wrote about I wrote Doug Gilmore's uh um entry in our our NHL 100. And uh, you know, that that's what I talked about is how anytime your team makes any sort of trade, this is what you want to have happen. It's the guy who's you you're getting suddenly levels up into something he's never been before. So it was uh it, you know, it really was something. But I, I'll really briefly just tell the story of that day, how I found out about the trade. I think you've heard this story before, but um, let me let me go back a week and a bit before to Christmas and what I have asked for for Christmas. Oh, yeah. oh my God, I forgot about for this. my yeah, parents. I have said I want a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey, and they say, okay, we can we can probably you know Santa can probably do that. Um, what player do you want? Do you want Wendell Clark? Hey, I love Wendell Clark, but everyone's got a Wendell Clark jersey. Uh, well, you know, what about, what about Grant Fear? What about, uh, you know, the, the, there weren't a lot of choices uh, back then. And I said, no, you know who I want? I want this new guy that they just got Toughness. in the, in the Grant Fear trade, Craig Barube. Yeah. Love this guy. T- tough guy. Enforcer. He's out there. He's fighting Probert. He's fighting everybody. He's got the cool long hair. That's the guy I want. Give me a number 16 Craig Barube jersey. And lo and behold, Christmas morning. Santa comes, I get my, I get my jersey. I'm thrilled with it, but you know, it's, it's Christmas break. I don't really have a chance to show it off. January 2nd, 1992, one of my buddies is like, let's go downtown. Let's go do, you know, we'll go hit a, hit up the record stores and you know, all the, <laughs> the arcades and all that other old stuff. Well, this that so, used this to do story sounds 90s. way older than it is. And, let's hit up the, and I was, say, was yep, there a malt I'll, shop too? Or what? Dude, yeah, there was, yeah, yeah, Pop Tates. We dropped by to get the, get a banana split and everything, and it was great. <laughs> I throw on the Craig Barube jersey, and I'm walking around downtown. I'm thinking, man, this, I like this, man. This this looks good. I'm the only, I'm looking around. There's another Wendell jersey. There's, I, I'm the only guy with a Craig Barube. And about, no, I would say, I would say late in the afternoon, <laughs> I, I know I'm starting to get some looks. People are starting to look and notice, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, there it is. And, uh, you know, by the end of it, I, I mean, I've, I'm on the subway, and I'm sitting there going, okay, I don't want to get too full of myself, but I think people are actually, I, I think I saw somebody pointing at me. Maybe like, somebody you know, thinks I, I am Craig Berube. People yeah. are whispering to each other, like, this yeah. is this thing is, oh, this is gold. And I got home, and I walked in the door, and my dad informed me that Craig Berube had been traded that day uh, as part so, of this 10-player deal. None of these randos on the subway or on public transit said to you, hey, man, he got nope. traded. They just decided to side-eye you and make you feel weird. 
I think that was it. Yeah, that that was. I mean, I don't <laughs> think they were trying to. I think they were probably good. Does that guy know? Do you think that uh, you know? Has, you got to remember. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this being an old story. No cell phones back then. I'm not getting any. You know, I'm not yeah. getting a text. There's no Twitter alerts. Like you, if back then, if something had not happened, you just didn't know about it until you know somebody told you, or you know, we hadn't uh, hadn't heard the radio or anything like that. Uh, and it, so I was, I have said, I might be the only Leafs fan who was really ticked off that day. I was, <laughs> I mean, me or like, you know, I don't know, like if, like Jeff Reese's kid, maybe were the only ones that were really, I was just, oh, are you kidding me? They traded Barube. Now, do you have that jersey Gilmore still? guy. I still do. Yep, absolutely. It's falling apart. The the letters and numbers are falling off, but I, I do still have it around here somewhere. Man. No, I love that story. I think it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Um. Yeah, and it's it's peak nineties. Yeah, you don't you have no idea about these trades. But again, the huge ramifications it didn't altered know the Leafs. Altered them yeah. completely and they became a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, uh, you know, not twelve months, uh not twelve months later. Okay. I mean as it was that and up, Pat Burns. Though, yeah, that and Pat Burns in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Okay, as we wrap it up, can you go ten for ten? Can you give us the ten names yeah. of the players oh, yeah. in that trade without looking anywhere? Yeah, so uh, the Leafs got Doug Gilmore, Jim Cowan, Rick Natchez, Rick Wamsley, and uh, Kent Manderville was the prospect. They gave up Gary Lehman. They gave up Alexander Gadinyuk. They gave up Jeff Reese, the goaltender. Uh, they gave up Michelle Petit. And, oh boy, okay, so I've done, because the position's lined up. So it was two forwards. <laughs> You're forgetting the guy whose jersey goalie. you had. Oh, Craig Bruby. Yes, of course. All right. So I blocked out the uh, I blocked out the blocked one. Blocked out that yeah. memory already. Yeah, it's it's go. a tough it's a tough memory for me. But yeah, and they they uh, and they gave up Craig Bruby. And shout out to Craig Bruby was traded three times in his NHL career, all within twelve months in trades involving Yari Curry, Grant Fuhrer, Glenn Anderson, Doug Gilmore. Guy did not mess around. Nope. Whatever happened to him? I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. Craig Bruby. You got you got to get him to sign that jersey. At some point. Next time I, St. I Louis and to. Toronto decide to play an entertaining game. <laughs> yeah. That'll be my uh, that'll be my chance, my opportunity. Hey, by the way, uh good job by us on the uh the shootout jinx last week, eh? Yeah. We, well we got we we took down was we, it New Jersey? And we took Toronto? down New Jersey and Toronto. We mentioned yeah. the three teams that had yeah. not been in a shootout. So who's the last team that hasn't been in a shootout? Within days. It's Winnipeg is Winnipeg. the last team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Somebody tweeted at us and said, hey, guys, you just jinxed New Jersey. And then I saw that the Toronto and St. Louis went to one on, yep. on Tuesday night. So I don't even know when Winnipeg's next game is. I'm sort of scanning the schedule right now. But uh, that's we, we don't have Jesse Granger for the betting tips. But yeah, Tampa Bay at Winnipeg uh, a couple days from okay. now. Bet the shootout. shootout. Yeah. All right. We'll leave it there. This was a lot of fun. I want to thank everybody for listening to this uh, first uh, Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show in 2023. A reminder, you can always uh, hit us up with your comments via email at theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com or with a voicemail, 845-445-8459. And right now, you can get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.